0: Girl clothing is so much more than clothing. We are a movement. We have collectively decided to stop seeing each other as competition and instead seeing each other as sisters because we believe that is why we are held back as a gender and we are tired of it. So we are coming together, sharing our stories, our experience, strength, and hope to know that we are not alone and to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are moving forward. It is 100% girl power. We know that if the women energy is not lifted up across this planet, we are doomed as a human race and we are here to change the game. So please help me welcome back our host, Taverly. This is Lee, and I'm your host of Girl Talk. We are still speaking to
1: the most amazing women. We're talking about stories of courage and how not all of us fit inside a box Mm -hmm. and how we want to smash that freaking box to the ground (laughs) and be able to grow and support each other within the girl army and all of the incredible people that are at girl live in 2019 and i have whitney with me today thank you for joining me whitney yes thank you for having me i'm super excited to talk with you and you're an og right you know, <laughs> I mean,
2: I've been around for a little while, yeah. <laughs> well, have you been to any of the other conferences? Yeah, I went uh, last year. I didn't go to the first one. Oh, okay, so, so I'm not official. So official, but I see that the OG is really that this is your third year, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be? I wish I didn't know it existed until afterwards. But I know
1: you're like I kind of want to be an OG, but I'm not really an OG. But I'm an OG. That's yeah, how yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with me. Thank you. You
2: have you are held in very high regard with most of the women here. Oh my gosh. I, I'm flattered and honored. <laughs> they think that
1: you're amazing. And I, oh. I, I, am glad to speak to you. Cause I, I, I need to know why, what is so
2: magical about Whitney? Oh my gosh. I don't, I feel like most days I float around and I'm a sponge. I think people appreciate just someone who genuinely, like genuinely wants to listen and and take in other people's stories. Similar to what you are doing right now, um, there's just something that people respond really well to. um, Mm -hmm. And also knowing my strengths and kind of being able to put that in service. So if I see someone like sitting by themselves during this conference, I'm like, I'm going to go talk to you. Like you're rad. I want to know who you are. Like, so possibly that i don't know i i'm just doing me you know <laughs>
1: you're 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 making connections yes. you connect with people yes yeah
2: absolutely i love it so much it gives me so much energy yeah <laughs> isn't it nice to actually like people right yeah yes even if people are having a bad day i'm like you know what there's something there though you know mm-hmm. i still want like you might be giving me a little like ruffled feathers but i'm just like there's something there it's like i still see you uh-huh
1: Yep. It's interesting. I was driving with my dad and my stepmom a couple of months ago. We were driving on the highway and mm-hmm. somebody cut us off in this one lane to like exit, and we had somewhere to be in like an hour, oh, and no. it's fifteen minutes away. No. And so there was some frustration, right? Yep. You know, people get frustrated, and I I kind of just paused. I'm like, you know, that person that cut us off could be in a really big rush. Yeah, and you know what? We're not. Mm-hmm. You know, we got time. I mean, yeah. what if their kid is sick? Yep. Like I just kind of, I kind of gave a few examples and my family's eyes got big and, and, and I remember them thinking, I remember thinking to myself as, yeah, I forget that it's unique to me that I just like all the people, even those that might <laughs> get in my way and stop I... me from doing what I want to do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make me like them less.
2: Right. I'm, I'm default is optimism is kind of what.
1: Yeah, because all people matter. They're all special. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And you never know what's going on behind behind the scenes. You know,
2: I have moments where I kind of forget that, but my default is optimism and kind of putting that out to other people as well. Um, And people kind of look at me strange sometimes. They're like, there's a lot of weird, hard stuff going on in the world right now. I'm like, but also there's a lot of really beautiful things happening in the world right now too. So Mm. I try to hold both. It's kind of hard sometimes with the state of things, but um, that's kind of my default is kind of looking at what, what is going well and and what what stories do other people have that that they're bringing to the table that kind of change change and shake up the world so mm-hmm. yeah and how can you bring your light to help
1: make that a little better in that moment mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna get along just fine Whitney <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I pretty much feel like you're speaking my words yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: interesting you yep. so tell us where you're from Yes. So I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was born and raised in a suburb there and I live there now with my partner and we have a house and just, I love the city. A lot of people think of the Midwest and they're like, oh, you're out of touch. Like you're not, you know, you're not up in the latest trends or whatever. But like Hmm. for the Midwest, Minneapolis is pretty progressive and pretty, I don't know, we've got a lot of really great things going for us there. So I'm, I'm a big fan of of Minneapolis and I call it home. I didn't never thought I would come back. I left after college and I was like, Oh, you did. I was living in San Francisco. It was like the Holy grail for LGBTQ community. It was like, if you're going to live anywhere, live in San Francisco. Well, they didn't tell you if you are a queer woman like I am, it's very difficult to live there. And if you're not in technology, um, if you're not like making a lot of money and, and Mm. things like that, it's just hard. I was working for nonprofits. So it was, I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I can actually like save money and like mm. have a family and things that I really want here. Right. So, but Minneapolis for me, I find it more welcoming uh, than even San Francisco. So, really, that's my experience. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. So
1: you you are heavily involved in the LGBTQ? Did I say that right? Yes. Uh, community mm-hmm. locally where you live. Yep. There. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's that like? And I have to tell you that I had someone on the podcast earlier and we talked a little bit about the word queer. Sure. And I expressed to her that I would not have thought that that was a word that would be okay to use. So, um, thank you for using it. And, um, I'll, and allowing me the ability to ask the questions about it because not everybody sees that is a term to
2: describe a lifestyle as opposed to a derogatory. Absolutely. It's kind of one of those reclaimed words. Um, and there's a bunch in the LGBTQ community that we've reclaimed, um, queer and it's also generational. So a lot of older LGBTQ folks do not like that term, do not like queer and they will not use it. So it's, it's, person by person base yeah. a lot of times, yeah. but the younger folks and I'm 32. So I, I feel comfortable using it, but yeah, and it's tricky. And then I have friends that don't identify in the community, but I'm just like, I feel comfortable with you using it because I know that you don't mean any harm. So that's where I'm at. Again, if you ask anybody else, they're going to have a different answer for you. Mm-hmm. But for me in this conversation queer's fine say it if you want yeah
1: well i'm not i'm not sure i'm there yet i <laughs> sure, 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 sure. i, I Baby i'm steps. just yeah i'm just glad that you you, know, you and, and and some of the other women that i've met are sharing that word as a way for us to understand that it's a lifestyle because they are just people that are not in that community that don't understand but don't okay. want to be offensive right we, we don't you know some people just don't know and mm-hmm. ignorance is for me, not an option, so I'd rather ask. Right. And I just hope to say ask in the right way. So oh. if I ask
2: the wrong question at the wrong time, just know that I I'm I welcome fine. the question. Honestly, I'm one of those people that that's how, that's how anybody learns. So mm-hmm. I never take it. If you word it incorrectly, I'm not going to be the one to jump on you. I know mm-hmm. that those people exist, and that that's their own kind of baggage and things they're working through. But for me, don't worry about the correct way to phrase it. Yeah. Just thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> thank you. See, this is how conversations should all be. Right.
1: If everybody had these conversations, can you imagine the kind of world we'd live in? So, oh,
2: so much better. I know. So much better of greater understanding of everyone involved. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. So tell me about growing up. Like, when did you know that you were queer? When did mm-hmm. you, you know, make the decision to, you know, create a
2: lifestyle around who you truly authentically were? Yeah. So I think I knew early on that I was different, And at first I identified as like a tomboy, which doesn't necessarily correlate necessarily with your uh, sexual identity. Yeah. Uh, Like presentation, like people listening to this podcast can't see me, but I'm wearing masculine clothing and a hat and I'm more on the like masculine, female masculinity side. So um, there's different terms for that. I identify with butch is kind of another word that you can put out there um, that people use for that. Um, So I knew like early on, like tomboy But I didn't grow out of it. A lot of my friends grew out of that and were like, oh, I'm no longer a tomboy. I want to be girly, girly, feminine, all these things that society is like, this is acceptable for you. For me, I never felt comfortable with that. I felt like I was in drag. And that's how I describe it to people now. Like if I, yeah, if I were to go to an interview and people are like, oh, dress in some way that people would deem acceptable for an interview. For me, if I were to put on like even a feminine cut suit, I feel like I'm in drag, Um, that's how I describe it to people. Like it doesn't feel authentically me at all. So I knew that early on, like just all this stuff that I was trying to do, I was trying to wear skirts and makeup and all this stuff. And I felt so uncomfortable. I didn't feel like a man. And that's the distinction that's hard for a lot of people to understand. Like, because that is a lot of trans people's experiences, it's feeling very uncomfortable, but they're like, okay, I need to transition. I never felt like, uncomfortable with my body parts necessarily. It was the clothes over that I wanted to express in a different way.
1: So you still, still wanted to be a woman. Yes. You, you identify
2: as a woman. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You are a yes. woman,
1: but you feel more comfortable on the external side in, in more what we think is masculine. Exactly. Type. What we think. Okay, what society is
2: putting. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be interesting, but I grew up a tomboy a hundred percent. I had the shortest of short hair my yeah. whole life. Yeah. Um. I don't look like that now obviously I'm very girly. Sure. I have like blonde curly hair. Yeah. Um but I remember being like 10 and 12 and I only played with boys. Mm-hmm. I'd take my shirt off when they took their yeah. shirts off. It was one day when I came home and one of my neighbors and my mom's like, you know, you might be past the age oh. where you should take your – you take, you know, cuz it's it's shirts and skins. That's right. how you play. Yeah. So when I was on the skins team, boom, the Here shirt we came off. We're playing. We're playing. I never I never saw myself uh, as as I guess girly, really. Yeah. I, I was definitely more of a tomboy and I definitely more related to the boys
2: mm-hmm.
1: all, all, pretty much all of my life. I would say even all through school, I preferred to, you know, I played at a high level of sports. I definitely had a lot of masculine energy and I, right. I presented masculine. And, and I don't know when that shifted, I guess as I became an adult. Yeah. I want
2: to be both. Right. And that's, that's the really cool thing about identity and expression is it can be both and I think people feel so restricted and like oh I have to be in this box and I can't do both like there's, there's been a few times where I'm like oh I want to like go get like my toenails toe, toe painted but I haven't ever done that in my life because as soon as I decided to be like okay female masculinity is for me then I'm almost going hyper that way it's like can I get my nails painted and still be butch or still be this like presence that I'm trying to put out to the world well of course you can you, the, the only boxes you're putting out there is like on yourself like you don't have to so you can do whatever you want it's this whole thing it's yeah it's kind of a mess but sexuality wise I didn't I actually didn't come out until after college officially to like everybody like I knew it in high school like I kind of did had you
1: date girls in high school and in college kind of
2: very secretly mm. off and on I dated one guy in college who's pretty religious and like didn't believe in sex before marriage. And I was like, that's fine by me. Like I was very on board for that (laughs) because I didn't want to have sex with him. Um, So it was a weird thing. I grew up with a lot of friends that were pretty religious. And so they kind of put that on me being like being gay isn't okay. So it took me a while to kind of come to terms with that. So I did try to be straight or whatever, try to go down that path. And it wasn't until after college, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing. Like, I can't fight it anymore. This is who I'm going to be. So for me, my presentation and my sexuality is kind of what people deem as like, okay, you're the traditional, like, obvious gay woman. You know what I mean? When people think of, like, gay women, they th- they tend to think of, like, the masculine ones. Because are- you
1: like that word butch. That's, that's, exactly. That's the word why. Okay. The, yep.
2: A lot of people, like, point and, and for me, correctly identify me as gay because that's how I identify, but... I have plenty of friends that are bi and they're butch or they're straight and they are married to men and they have kids and all this is super valid, but it's just, there's a lot of nuances there and, and, uh, people's individual stories. So for me, this is just my individual kind of journey.
1: Okay. So let me, let me ask you a question that I think that lots of people might ask in, in general. And, and this is just for clarification. I mean, how do you, how do you know? I mean, if you're getting to know somebody, let's just say you and I were to, meet downstairs at a bar and we're having a drink mm-hmm. and I don't know. I might I might see you as one thing but I'm the kind of person that I always would rather ask and, and know. Yeah. I don't make, I try, I try not to make assumptions although we all have biases so it kind of happens. Totally. I just confront it. I, yep. don't, I don't allow it. I want to know it before I just assume it. Yeah. How would I approach a conversation with you or anyone in your opinion that would be comfortable, that wouldn't be offensive?
2: Yeah. I mean for me, uh, typically bringing up I try to do where I ask, or I start talking about my partner. So if it's someone I don't know, like there's been girls here at this conference where I'm like, oh yeah, my partner, like, are you with anybody or whatever? And so I just, I don't even say like, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a husband? Do you have a wife? Ah. It's just kind of being like, oh, what's your deal? Like you living with friends Are you what? you know what I mean? It's kind of more of an open box and they can respond however they feel like it. That's how I've appreciated it when I've been asked. Um, and it also helps, to more feminine uh, queer women feel more seen, too, because they get the assumption that they're straight a lot, um, where I don't really have that issue coming at me as much. I see. You know what I mean? They feel invisible in the LGBTQ community a lot because they're like, people just are like, oh, well, you're clearly straight because you present more feminine. That's totally absurd to assume as well, because you don't know until you ask or until they tell you. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah,
1: so just asking questions that are more general in a way yeah. that doesn't make any assumptions—that's the right way. That's I mean, how I, I've done it. Yeah, because I can't imagine if you and I really were in that situation, sitting at the bar, I would ask your sexual orientation no, no, right off the just I mean, straight it up. just is kind weird. of does that that right there in any situation, you'd be like, "What is going yeah, on with what this is chick? This? Yeah, yeah what exactly. Is this? Where's the camera? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I ask that because I know that some people just don't know how to navigate the right questions mm-hmm. to feel comfortable, and I, I, you know, we all know that discomfort and judgment comes from a lack of understanding. Yep. So, you know, part of you and I talking, and this, this podcast, of course, is to create understanding and awareness so people can learn. Absolutely. Not so we can help others that have been, you know, through difficult times or going through difficult times, sharing stories of bravery and courage. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know for you to be comfortable where you're at in your life has taken some courage.
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah. There's. It's been a journey. Um, Gosh, I remember right after I moved to San Francisco and I was fully coming out after college, there were some rough, rough moments. Like, And I think that's why I appreciate Minneapolis so much, because I've had a lot of experiences presenting more masculine and being physically attacked and things like that in San Francisco, actually. Um, like
1: physical, physically attacked? Physic-
2: physically. And you would have never guessed. I mean, even now, people would just be like, that happened in San Francisco, yes, at a bus stop waiting for a bus on my way to my first, very first, like, queer women, woman party. I was, like, so excited. I was, like, 22 or something like that. And this guy was driving down the road in a truck, yelled faggot at me. And I was like, okay, well, that sucks. He stopped down the road, and I was not paying attention at all, and came back, punched me in the stomach, said faggot again, like, right in my face, and then ran back to his truck and took off. Like, to me... And I still am like working through this. this is one of those things that like, I put a lot of blame on myself. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings. Oh, I like should have known like right when he yelled that, like I should have been aware and like got my keys out and like all the stuff that you put a lot of blame or I tend to put a lot of blame on myself when things like that happen. Um, it's a weird line. And it was right after I like cut my hair and I really fully embraced my presentation. I was like, so this is what I get now. Like I'm embracing who I really am, but now I'm going to be physically attacked for it. And it doesn't matter if I'm in this safe, and I'm putting this in quotes, like safe community as San Francisco, like you're going to get it everywhere. And I, it was, it was hard to kind of experience that right away. It was literally like two weeks after I cut my hair super short. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's, I don't know. I still wrestle with that. I still haven't fully kind of dove into that experience and like really unpacked it. Cause it's one of those things. Some days I, I walk out into the world And I've got a lot of armor on. I've got this like "don't fuck with me" face on because I'm just like, who's who's gonna mess with me today? Some days I'm like, you know what? Everybody isn't out to get me, and I'm more positive about it. But those experiences kind of change you, um, change you for the long term. Um, Does
1: it happen often? Mm, I
2: so I only just derogatory
1: remarks, not necessarily the physical
2: the physical violence pieces. It's just, to me, the extreme of it's it. It's extreme. It's, and that's why I think I was taken off guard. And mm-hmm. still, to this day, I haven't had anything physically like that happen to me. I've had smoke blown in my face after people say derogatory, like dyke. They've used that mm-hmm. at me. Um, people spit, have spit on me before, that type of thing, and saying, like, derogatory things. Um, it doesn't happen a ton in Minneapolis. It's typically when I get outside of that bubble, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um and then it kind of happens a little bit more. Um, using public restrooms is still a thing. That's an issue. Like if I'm wearing a hat, like I'm wearing a hat today um, and I'm somewhere where people don't see a lot of queer women, um, people just assume I'm a guy, which I think is funny because if you look at me, like I think you can kind of tell that I'm I'm not. But... Um, people get real upset in public bathrooms if they really? think I'm in the wrong spot. Because they
1: think you're, they think you're a guy they think and, I'm a guy think, and, the and you're in the restroom. girl and the, in the woman's restroom.
2: Yep. Mm. Yep. So it's, it's a constant thing. Like people are like, Oh, like I'm engaged and I'm going to get married in December. And they're like, Oh, where are you going to go for your honeymoon? And I'm like, I don't know. My first thing is like, where am I going to feel safe to pee? <laughs>
1: like, yeah.
2: Like I can't go everywhere in the world and feel comfortable. Even in the United States, I can't go. So it's like, It's just another layer. It's an added layer of existing um, as a person kind of outside the gender norms.
1: Was it a a slow process for you to get to a place where you could feel comfortable being the masculine version of you as a woman? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, was it like a one day, like a... You say, I know there's a day that you cut your hair. So that day day feels significant, Mm -hmm. right? That day feels significant. Was there another day where you just decided, okay any of this like feminine type of clothes that I'm wearing I'm just gonna put those aside for now and I'm only gonna do this
2: or did you have to like slowly make your way it was gradual it was super gradual because I yeah I cut my hair that was like the first thing I did my clothes have always been kind of androgynous or like even if I was buying clothes in the women's section they were definitely more kind of bordering you know you you, people didn't know what section I bought it in they're just like okay cool that's just wit that's how she does it cool Um, but I still wear makeup like Mainly mascara and and like eyeliner, and not well, like no one taught me how to do this. I did not know <laughs> what I was doing, so even when I cut my hair, I was still wearing makeup um I was still like shaving my legs and stuff like that. now I have super hairy legs, and I just whatever that's just how I like to do it, so uh I do that, um, but it was gradual, it was super slow, um kind of piece by piece, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I actually really like this, and like the shaving legs thing wasn't a decision that I was like. I'm just not going to shave anymore. It was literally like in December in, uh, in Minnesota and I, you wear pants for like months and months and months. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to shave because whatever, no one's going to see it. And then eventually I was like, I'm just not going to shave at all. Yeah. Like, You know what I mean? It was just yeah. a thing. Like, and now in the summer, I don't feel the need to keep up with it either. Cause I'm comfortable enough with it. And my yeah. friends and my partner and whatever they, no one cares. So um, but yeah, it's just slowly piecing what makes me feel more, most like me mm-hmm. and trying not to put on other like society's expectations mm-hmm. of like, oh, if I identify as female and a woman, like I have to do all these things. But I think that can, that can be attributed to like anybody, like someone more feminine. You don't have to shave your legs. You don't have to do any of that. Um, I just happen to be given, I think more of a pass because I do want to say that like masculinity even in the queer community is a privilege um what do you mean so there's just when it comes to like the more what society deems is more like masculine like even topics like technology or um or automotive stuff or whatever i get way more respect in those spaces just based on what i look like and i i've seen it at work based on the female like more feminine friends that i've gone to the, those spaces and were dismissed or like like told like this is going to cost way more for you and th- they assume oh. they don't know and I'm like I've dated plenty of women that knew way more about cars and motorcycles. I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't have a car. <laughs> but I it's this weird past that I get. It's that it's that bias
1: again, mm-hmm. right? It's that total assumption. Um yeah. I'm going to give you this example that I've used in my other podcast which is called Grit and Grace. Um, I I don't even remember the show, but I shared this this riddle. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you now. Okay, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna see how you feel about yep. the answer to this. Okay? okay, so there was a really terrible accident, and a man and his son um, were in a car, and the son was um, very very severely injured. Mm-hmm. And so when the ambulance came to pick them up, when the ambulance came to pick them up, the man rode with the son to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They got into the emergency department and they had to take the son into surgery right away. And the surgeon came out and looked down and said, oh my gosh, I cannot do the surgery. That's my son. How's that possible? What? Right. So I'll yeah. walk you through what this, what this, what, yeah. what, so this has been a study that's been done pretty wide scale study. Yeah. Here's the top options. Number one, most people assume there were two gay men. Yeah. Okay. That's the assumption. Yeah. Second, second, option is the, the child was adopted. Yeah. Totally
2: valid. Sure. Right? Yeah.
1: Less than 7% of people would say the surgeon's a woman.
2: That mm-hmm. was the
1: mom. Mm hmm. Doesn't that just make you want to drop your totally? Pen? Like I just didn't go. Yeah. What the heck? We don't. Oh, even I when totally I just it, did it. I totally I, just did it. Right. Me too. So this, but this is goes to show this is mm-hmm. not this is not a right or a wrong answer. This is just uh, this is the bias that we live with. It because points it of, out. It points it out because mm-hmm. we and we. The, so the answer is the majority of people do not associate women with certain roles in society and the fact that you and I both have gone through that Mm -hmm. the first time somebody said it to me like my heart hurt after because I'm like I know better
2: I know right done so much work and I'm still yeah (laughs) so
1: but it goes to show this is an unconscious bias that we Mm -hmm. have so we don't realize it so what you're just saying to me makes sense because we have to work on that Mm -hmm. and and there's a way to do it gracefully one person at a time you can work on that I can work on that. We can help Mm -hmm. people. This podcast can help people see things in a different way, Mm -hmm. change their perspective. Yep,
2: yep. Listening, being a sponge—that's my go-to <laughs> being a
1: sponge. Well, you shed some light too. Yeah, you have yeah. some—you have some gifts in shedding light, so that—that that matters. I try. You're, yeah, I—I <laughs> I th- I think you do. So <laughs> I can't remember before I went on that side tangent. What were we talking about?
2: Where were we? Oh, masculinity and how it's a privilege. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so. Even even being a woman. Uh, I guess another kind of scenario that stands out to me is so before I cut my hair, even when I was wearing more masculine ish clothing, like people very clearly always identified me as a woman because of your hair because you of my hair um that yeah. was the main thing, and so walking down the street, getting more cat calls, getting all that happening, and um and even like feeling that nervousness if you're by yourself and you're walking down the street, and it's like okay you know, who's around me, all this stuff. And if you see someone approaching, it's like, okay, like what am I going to do? Just a lot of things that women have to think about if they're by themselves. Masculine person that I am now, often I'm seen as a man. If people don't see me up close, I'm wearing a hat. Um, I don't get catcalled anymore. I don't get, I mean, yes, I get what I kind of explained before. Sometimes the spitting and the, all that Mm -hmm. stuff very rarely compared to the catcalling I did get when I had long hair. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a privilege in my mind of like being this more masculine being. Um, another thing is, uh, so I've, I've walked the life of, of, of getting the cat call and getting that negative attention, uh, what I deem is negative attention. the wanted yes. attention. Yeah. Yes. Um, and now I'm seen almost sometimes if there's like a woman walking in front of me, um, and she's kind of looking around assessing her, you know, and I'm seen as the threat sometimes because they don't, uh, they don't know that I'm a woman too. You know what I mean? Wow. So I walked, I've walked both where now I'm like, okay, I've, I've assessed threat around me when I was longer hair. Now I'm seen as a threat. So I've had to like cross the street or I start talking out loud just so she can hear my voice, different things and trying to give space. Like, and it took me a little bit to understand that's what was going on because there would be a lot of quicker walking in front of me. Cause I'm, I'm a fast walker. I just, that's, I'm on a mission. I'm going places, but I realized like, Ooh, I'm a threat now. Like these women are feeling really uncomfortable around me because they're deeming, they see me as like this guy presence um, around them. So it's been interesting to unpack that kind of privilege. And I see that as a privilege because I, I do feel more comfortable now walking the world in, in some regards, especially at night. Like I don't feel as much like I, I could get that negative kind of like attack coming mm-hmm. at me. So it's weird. It's wonky. <laughs>
1: I, think that, I think that there are things too. I was going to just add to that. I, I don't know if you know this. I don't know how much you know about me, but I teach Krav Maga in my spare oh, time. Oh, okay. So I teach self-defense. And I would say that as being a female that um, is not young, you know, mm-hmm. um, I am able to... Show an example to other people that we can learn to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. no matter your size, age, you know, man, woman, there are things that we can do to be safe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, of, of course, starts with situational awareness, which you addressed, which is yes. not – you can't always – Right. right? Self-defense by nature means that an attack has begun. Right. So we in Krav Maga, we teach primarily once the attack has begun how to meet violence with violence to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a whole bunch of initial stuff. Right. That 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 comes along with that. And one thing that I've taken from that, that I can tell you that if you know that you are not a threat, there are things that you can do in your the way that you pass with a woman Mm -hmm. to make them feel more comfortable. I mean, put yourself in that shoes. If somebody looks at you and smiles. And you know, just, just just as kind as you walk by yep. and is not, is not protruding an energy of aggression, mm-hmm. um, the other person's going to feel that, right right because what a lot of what we teach is what goes on in our gut.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: you know people that feel feel your kindness and can see your smile will feel relieved. yeah, right yeah,
2: that's, I mean, that's huge for me to just walk the world like that and knowing putting that out there. So I'm, I'm taking that away for sure.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, you, you can. And I, I know it will make a difference because what we teach people is that, um, you know, there's oftentimes, people are looking for victims. I mean, in your mm-hmm. particular case that, random act of violence that occurred yeah um no, that's just despicable because there's really probably nothing you could have done in that space even if you knew it was coming what were you going to do right do you carry a weapon
2: no okay
1: so <laughs> i mean what uh, the truth is what were you going to do all right. the only thing that you might know how to do in that case is put your hands up and create a barrier uh, a verbal barrier to say that this is what's going to happen if you get one step closer not to right. say it still wouldn't have happened it should sure. have but sure. um there, you know, that's the, that's, that's the way that you can, you know, initially start that situation. Mm-hmm. But on a day-to-day basis, you know, when you're walking down the street, keeping your head high, mm-hmm. make eye contact with people. Mm-hmm. Like, and in your case, make eye contact with people in a nice way. Mm-hmm. And if it's somebody that you don't feel nice about, oh, you make even more eye contact. Do mm-hmm. you look at them and you just say, hey. Okay? Mm-hmm. I see you. I see you over there looking at me. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're looking at me over here. My head is up, my shoulders are back, right? Mm-hmm. This is my space. Yep. Feel free. Bring yep. it, right? Bring it. Yeah. That that right there stops a lot of what happens because most people that are looking to Attack someone for anything they feel about them, or to rob them. They're looking for people that are easy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Yep. So you know that you know puff your chest out a little right. bit. Yeah, it it actually is true. So when you think about it that way, then think about how you want to make yourself a little smaller and kinder when you think that women might be worried yeah. about who you are. So I don't know if that how that's no, helpful, it's but
2: huge. It's it's huge, and I body language is is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're interacting with people, you have no idea you know what they're thinking or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think. I'm taking that away for sure.
1: Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, maybe at, the next, um, maybe at the next Girl Live, we can add that in as a, as a topic. Yes. And, and I'm happy to, to jump in and I'll talk to Courtney about that because I think it's important. We have, we have, we have options, right? Mm-hmm. We have options in the ability to impact how other people perceive us.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Both as,
1: as a necessity that we're warriors and that you come at me at your own risk. Because you want to know the funniest thing, Whitney? What? I never get catcalled. Really? Ever, huh? Not really. Mm-mm. Wow. Mm-mm. Where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> I travel all the time. Oh I mean, gosh. I travel all the time, but I live in Denver. But no, I, oh. I don't I don't. And I, and I it mean, it could I, be
2: the just the energy you're putting out and kind is. of yeah, oh.
1: it is. Yeah, I don't I don't. I mean, if people talk about it, and I know and I know and I know that it happens. I've yeah. been with people and I've seen it happen. Yeah. And I I know that you know people look, but there's I not no not really. Wow. Uh huh. I mean, I had I had somebody make a joke at me um, at the gym once. Sure. And I whipped my head around, and just before I even had fully made contact, his hands were up, and he's like, "Holy crap! I'm sorry." Yeah. And walked
2: backwards. No, I don't.
1: Isn't that kind of interesting? Wow.
2: (laughs) That definitely (laughs) needs to be a workshop.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's um, you know, people people feel what you project. Mm Hmm. Anyway. There was so many t- side tangents in this conversation. We went all over the place. It's it was good. great. It's it was good. really good. Well, Whitney, you are you are amazing. I appreciate you being willing to share. You know your
2: experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking and being curious, and yeah, not yeah. being afraid to ask questions.
1: Yeah, I think I think that that's helpful, and I appreciate you letting me ask the questions, and even if they sound a little strange. Nah.
2: <laughs>
1: well, this is wonderful, and Whitney, how can people find you if they want to follow you on social media? Yeah,
2: Instagram is just Butch Talk. So what we were talking about earlier, that identity. Um, yeah. I had a podcast for a little while. It's kind of on pause right now, but um, maybe again. In oh, the, right. We talked about that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The pod, you might, you might start it again. Yeah. So there's two seasons right now. It's still out there. Um, uh, it's called Butch Talk again, but um, I might start it up again. Uh, it's not something I do full time. It's just kind of a fun hobby that I have on the side and it's about female masculinity the first season and the second one I'm asking more different queer identities, kind of their experiences. So I kind of opened it up beyond myself and kind of Trying to get other people's perspectives. Yeah, on
1: and tell us what you do. What do you do during the day? Like, what's your day job again?
2: Day job. I work at a. I just started at a university in Minnesota, and I work in the housing res life department. Yeah, so. we, we talked. About yeah, I that. get to I get to work with college students. Yeah, that's love it. right.
1: That make that's right. It's all coming back to me. Now. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations since I talked oh to my you gosh. last. A lot. I mean, I know. Um. So I will put a link to your podcast in the show notes. Perfect. And uh, we are glad that you've joined us, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, yeah, can't wait (laughs) and all of you amazing girls out there listening to this show make sure that you leave us a rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or spotify or i don't know might be ladies chit chat club wherever himalaya leave us a rating and i am taverlia i am your host and if you're looking for me you can find me on social media at my first name which is t-a-h-v-e-r-l-e-e or you can always find out more about me at corporatecauseagency.com and my friends we will see you again soon
0: This is Courtney Olson thanking you for joining us. If you want to keep up with us and join us some more, find us on our website at girl.com. That dot G-R-R-R-L, G-R-R-R-L.com. You can find our newsletter on there to sign up for that and stay in the now. Or find us on our Instagram at girl underscore clothing. That's girl underscore clothing. And remember, you are enough.